How are you, Tom Cooper? I am doing well, Mr. Cobb. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Welcome to the Cobbcast. Thanks for carving out some uh, time this morning. It's about 11.10, something like that here, Eastern time. So it's 10 something by you. Uh, and actually, we're I'm uh, broadcasting from St. Petersburg, Florida. And it's been actually pretty chilly the last several days. It's been in the 50s and rainy, which is kind of unusual. But I'm assuming it's still warmer than where you're at. <laughs> um, you know, you can safely assume that. Um, this morning, we woke up to minus 34 degrees Holy in cow. wonderful Midwest Wisconsin. Holy cow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, hey, we that's are a the cold spot for the entire region. Yeah, that, that's nuts. And, and that's probably not including the wind chill, my guess. That, that is not including the wind chill. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't miss that for sure. So uh, I guess that's a good segue to level set, Tom. Um, so let's see, you and I met, I want to say it was uh, 2019, maybe. And uh, I was trying to think about this the other day in preparation. Like, boy, did I meet you before the board meeting for the Economic Development Committee or not? And I can't remember. Can you? Uh, I think we met at, originally at one of a, um, a high voltage event. And that's where I met you the first time was uh, you were DJing at some event. And we that was the first time we met and had a had a very fun conversation about uh, high voltage entertainment and in the Black River, greater Black River Falls area. Okay. Okay. Wow. You have a better uh, uh, memory than I. So that's great. So uh, Tom, you're based out of Black River Falls, Wisconsin. And for those folks who don't know where that's at, um, it's about 45 minutes. It's in uh, Eastern Wisconsin, right? Um, and Western, Western Wisconsin. Western, yeah. Excuse me, Western Wisconsin. How far is that from the Mississippi? Do you know? Uh, about 50 minutes from the Mississippi. Okay. We are about 50, mi 50 minutes north of the city of La Crosse and about 50 minutes south of the city of Eau Claire. Okay. And, and it's, it's a beautiful area. I lived there uh, full time from 2017 to uh, last year. And they had a place there that uh, my ex-wife and I had built in 2007. And to describe the area... Uh, from my perspective, coming from a bigger city, Chicago, and having spent quite a bit of time in New York, it's pristine. In fact, when I describe certain parts of the, the region, the Black River region, um, it reminds me, the Cooley region, it's called, of uh, kind of the foothills out in Tennessee or, or Kentucky. Uh, there aren't mountains, but there are mounds, and they're typically that area is uh, sandstone and it's just, they have micro environments. It's these big rolling hills, just a beautiful area. And so as I was doing some research on Black River to kind of, uh, as we're gonna get into deeper discussion, um, the, the area is basically uh, natural resources is one of the big uh, industries there, whether it's mining or basically tourism driven by natural resources, hunting, fishing, uh, ATV, uh, out, so a lot of outdoor uh, activities. And then agriculture uh, would be another thing. Um, so farming. What else, Tom, is uh, Black River known for the region? 
included um, with farming or agriculture from our area, one of the biggest natural resources that Black River Falls is known for and the community was built on was the logging industry. Uh, Jackson County has a lot of, of county forest that we do um, harvest a lot of timber off them and supply to the timber mills and stuff. And uh, uh, of course, all of that is renewable and it's replanted and it's managed properly. We have an entire division within our county board that uh, uh, is just dedicated to forest management of all of the resources here in Jackson County. Yeah, so if you can envision this beautiful area, there's a mixture of woods, hills, you've got the river, there's lakes, um, and there's a lot of activities in the area too that we're going to get into. But I wanted to start out with uh, Tom today, really focusing on you. Uh, you're originally from Black River Falls, you, you still live there, and I want to get into what keeps you there. Um, but let's start out with kind of your heritage. Um, what, is your family line all from that area? How did you um, start out there in Black River? Well, we have about six generations of the Cooper family in Jackson County. And um, our family line um, goes all the way back into the um, uh, New Jersey area, the New, New England area of the United States. And then we, uh, we commonly refer to ourselves as a Duke's mixture, just a little bit of everything, uh, primarily um, from the European area of, uh, of Great Britain, England, um, Scotland, uh, Germany, uh, Norway, um, and the, you know, kind of that whole Scandinavian area. And uh, family migrated to this area and uh, made Jackson County its home um, for six generations. In, in Black River Falls is actually the county seat, right? For that, Jackson County. That is correct. Got you. Jackson, uh, Black River Falls was founded in 1836. Um, and a lot of it was based off from the forest industry and developed. So my family lineage goes all the way back to that and further. Gotcha. So how many generations of your family uh, actually lived in Black River Falls? Uh, six. Um, all six. Wow. Yeah, all six, you know, and we're spread out a little bit. Um, but uh, we have three generations living here now. And, okay. uh, and then, uh, you know, then three generations have passed. But uh, the property that I currently own within Jackson County is now fourth generation Cooper property that uh, my roots are planted deep in the Black River Falls area. And uh, I don't expect that to change. And, and I've been to your property. Uh, it's dynamite. The view is unbelievable. And I know you just recently had uh, done a lot of work on the house. And if I look around, you've got, um, obviously, there's some housing there, but you got the hills and there's still some farming. Was Were your parents farmers? Was that land originally just farmland? Or how was that land uh, used? Did you grow up a farm kid? I did. I grew up a farm kid. Um, and I was a farm kid until about uh, 1980, uh, 1982. And um, due to some health, some serious health conditions with my father, uh, he had a heart attack and a stroke. We needed to leave the farming industry because um, 
you know, was this no longer sustainable with him not being in the picture? Um, he did not pass. He was uh, permanently disabled. So I entered the workforce in uh, as a 15-year-old with a work permit at one of our local grocery stores and assisted in the family income um, with uh, helping pay the bills and uh, keeping our farm to, you know, maintain the home farm. Everybody that pitches in. Yeah, that that's great. My my grandfather uh, on my my dad's side uh, was a farmer in uh, Illinois um, in a town, Lockport, Illinois. Uh, it's a, a bigger city that would be close to it would be like Joliet. And I remember as a kid, you know, we did not we lived in the areas called Payless. It was kind of rural, but it wasn't farming. But I remember as a kid going to my grandparents' farm, and it was so special. Uh, and in fact, it was one of the reasons why my ex-wife and I um, ended up going and building in, in Black River Falls area was to, you know, bring our children, afford our children the opportunity to experience kind of that rural lifestyle uh, on the weekends, things of that nature, real, uh, you know, connect with nature. So it's a really, really beautiful area. Um, so I, I could appreciate the background. So, so you grew up, you started uh, working uh, at a fairly young age, it sounds like. Um, now, one thing that I do know about your background that you had gotten into uh, law enforcement, take me from when you started working in that grocery store, kind of how you progressed, and then eventually, you know, how'd you get into law enforcement? What, what brought that interest into your life? Well, um, working at the grocery store, you know, you get to experience a lot of things as far as, uh, you know, retail and working with people and customers. And, you know, you develop a skill set for um, some of those individuals who um, come to a grocery store and just uh, have issues and make poor choices as far as taking products without paying for those products. <laughs> and, uh I developed a knack for monitoring the store very closely for loss prevention. And I started working, of course, closely with law enforcement. And um, it just was something that appealed to me. My grandfather, uh, Paul Cooper, um, was the sheriff of Jackson County in the 1950s. And my grandmother, Arzetta Cooper, was the first female deputy in Jackson County. Wow. So I do have a... I have a family history in law enforcement. My father was drafted and went into the military and served in, in Korea and uh, did road construction. So he didn't, he didn't pursue the, uh, the law enforcement side of it. I did. And um, the local sheriff was looking for some part-time help just to uh, do prisoner transports and serve papers and, and things like that. So I started off, you know, um, slowly getting into it with, uh, uh, sheriff Gary Cummings was the sheriff of Jackson County mm. at that time. And uh, I walked in and expressed an interest in become, getting into law enforcement. And uh, he told me, to, took my information down and told me to come back the next day. I came back the next day and walked in and uh, Sheriff Cummings said, uh, raise your right hand. And I'm like, okay. Wow. So I raised my right hand and uh, he swore me in as a Jackson County deputy. Now, things are done quite differently now as far as recruiting law enforcement. <laughs> sure. but, um, you know, I was, I joined law enforcement in uh, 1987 and uh, just as part-time. 
Um, you know, I did a lot of things in retail while working part-time. Um, the city of Black River Falls recruited me to come to work for them as a part-time officer and uh, sent me to the police academy. Uh, I went to the police academy and uh, came out of that. I continued just uh, being a part-time officer that worked about 70 hours a week because that's, you know, just how people avoid, you know, paying benefits and accumulating right. things, of course. Um, but eventually I became a full-time law enforcement officer and the uh, police chief for the village of Maryland, Wisconsin, which is in northern Jackson County. So I was a very, very young officer that, uh, you know, was stepped into an interesting role. And I spent uh, um, a lot of years uh, from about uh, 1990 until 2005. I was in uh, the village of Maryland, either in a full or part time capacity as their police chief. One oh, thing wow. about the one thing about the village of Maryland, they were very, very pro training and pro education. So I did take advantage of that and uh, went through the Wisconsin Department of Justice programs to get uh, training in multiple areas. Um, I did receive some federal training at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children out in Alexandria, Virginia, and uh, went out there several times for formalized training out there. And uh, built, worked myself up through my law enforcement career up to uh, the detective for the city of Black River Falls. And in uh, 2000, uh, late 2017, uh, due to some health issues, I needed to leave law enforcement. But I spent 30 years in law enforcement. Wow. Uh, what year did you join the uh, Black River Falls Police Department? Uh, 19, um, let's see, 1989. I started working for the city of Black River Falls as a part-time officer. Gotcha. So, so then you were doing that and working for the Maryland uh, Police Department at the same time? And Jackson County at and the same Jackson time. County. I worked for all three agencies. Well, that, that's, first off, that's incredible. And, uh, and the purview that you must have had then, uh, you know, spanning just the kind of that real estate, if you will, and I, I'd imagine that purview, kind of knowing what's going on in the community, the broader community, uh, must have been incredibly enlightening. Um, are there some things, Tom, that you remember during that period? Obviously, today, uh, if you turn on the news, the last couple of years uh, has been quite amazing, like disturbingly amazing on uh, you know, how uh, law enforcement has been, I personally believe, uh, pummeled <laughs> in the media and by certain interest groups uh, for sometimes mistakes or, you know, bad apple, but this broad brush painting that has happened, say, in uh, Portland, Oregon and other parts of the country where they, there's been this big push to defund the police. Um, and frankly, uh, there's a shortage of police officers all over the country, and in particular in urban areas because of this. And, uh, you know, crime, murder rates are at all-time highs in most of our major urban cities. There's just kind of blatant, rapid daylight people walking into stores, whether it's Chicago, L.A. or whatever, broad daylight, just or New York, and just outright stealing. So, 
I'm guessing it wasn't like that <laughs> when you were a police officer, but given that, you know, your background in law enforcement, I'm just kind of interested in your take on the then and now and kind of your perspective. There is a huge difference in um, law enforcement when I started compared to just before I left and um, staying in close contact with uh, my brothers and sisters in law enforcement now and listening to some of the things that they experience and, you know, watching the, the media, you know, whether you're on the left side of the fence or the right side of the fence, it really is irrelevant as uh, they law enforcement is, is um, blamed for just about everything. But law enforcement is, as far as its history, has, uh, has always been that, um, you know, the stepchild in the corner, um, whereas people acknowledge the importance of having law enforcement and needing law enforcement, no one likes the people who tell you no. You, you cannot do what you're doing, or, you know, you'll be punished for doing, doing what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. But in a lot of times, my experience in, um, in law enforcement, uh, and I'll just refer to it as old school law enforcement, um, my, my training officers um, taught me the importance of uh, communicating with the community, being part of the community, and uh, being able to verbally de-escalate um, a situation. Um, and if you can keep people out of the system by just sitting down and uh, trying to resolve conflict right then and there, that was our main focus. And, um, you know, later on that was developed into and it was called the COPS program or community-oriented policing. And um, I always kind of got a kick out of that as being some type of new concept because mm -hmm. we had always practiced that here for years. Part of the um, part of the process um, in verbal de-escalation in law enforcement in old school law enforcement was the fact that Jackson County has a rough population of about 20,000 people. That hasn't changed much since the 60s mm -hmm. as far as population. And there was only one police officer, one sheriff's deputy on that covered the entire county on at night. Wow. And a lot of times with being a young officer, that's the shift that you were um, decide that you were you were on was third shift. So if you were, you know, um, responding into a call in, in northwest Jackson County out in the middle of nowhere, uh, a domestic situation, if you will, um, you have to remember backup is at least a half hour away from another county and because wow. you're alone and um a lot of times you know cops cops take the blame for things but what we what i see is a a, a systematic failure in our country is the is the refusal to hold criminals accountable for their actions we, we have a tendency to blame everything else but the criminal. So blame law enforcement, blame everyone, but, but don't take personal ownership for one's behavior. And we have like a revolving door process in the United States right now. So when you see like the, the recent shooting that just occurred in New York, Mm -hmm. where those two officers just uh, lost their lives in New York, and you, you look at the suspect in that, 
with multiple warrants for multiple states of multiple felony charges, weapon charges. You can obviously see that there is an escalation in, in uh, criminal conduct behavior with lack of accountability, whether that be um, no bail, uh, you know, bail reforms, they talk about bail reforms and, and things like that. We just have a revolving door. And that's the biggest problem is because we allow criminals to escalate their behavior by not holding them accountable for the little things. And those little things grow into big things. It, it, it's a disturbing trend, frankly. Um, and I, I just kind of, I don't understand. I mean, I understand, I think this whole idea of criminal reform for the average person, when I started becoming aware of it, it was based on like, okay, you could have somebody in prison for having marijuana on them, but they're not a dealer. But because of the law or actual racial disparity or whatever it might be, you know, you're going to prison for having something that now is illegal in certain states. So I understand like there's this kind of things that are inconsistent. So I think the average person when we were when I heard of reform, it's like, OK, let's that's kind of silly. You don't send somebody to jail for that. You know, uh, obviously, if they're a drug dealer, that kind of thing. Now, when you find out what it really is, I mean, um, these are people, a lot of them are, these are violent crimes, violent crimes, and they're being put right out on the street. It purely, in a lot of cases, when I hear certain DAs speak, I mean, it's not me, it's them, it's because of one's race and because of these past, what would be considered uh, necessarily equal uh, justice uh, in the system, now it's just like, we're just going to throw the whole system out. And, you know, it's not fair that this person has no money to sit in jail. They can't bail themselves out because of their socioeconomic situation. And they ignore the fact that, well, it's a violent crime. It has, you know, so anyway, it now it's just, it's disturbing to see what's going on. And, and I almost feel like over the last couple of weeks, and I don't know if you saw last night or, or today, there was another New York police officer. Or where was it that, uh, that they were shot multiple times? I just read something this morning. It, it, it seems like the, there's a license to kill out there. Like police officers are now being targeted. You know, uh, I mean, there's always obviously been a risk to that particular job, um, but it's crazy. And I, I don't understand the benefit, especially when the data is now starting to show these violent repeat offenders. I mean, it's having an effect on people's safety. And uh, I don't get it. These DAs, I, I just don't understand how it benefits the broader community. Um, so it's kind of crazy. It, it's it's pretty nuts. Anyway, so I just want to kind of get your take on uh, the system. And, and I do think these types of solu the solution for around this, and I like your opinion from my perspective, those solutions only come when there's pushback from the general public, when people like you're seeing in Portland, Oregon, the, the hold the fund, the police are even up in Minnesota, uh, the Twin Cities, crime has gone up. 
Now they're like, you know, holy crap, we need more police, you know. So now they're putting the funding back in, but the damage has already been done to the psyche of, you know, the, the police officers. But I think the only time real change comes is when the community rises up and says, this is not acceptable. You know, uh, you must do something different. I mean, what, what do you see that it's going to take for um, that to change? I absolutely do see it that way. And um, it's going to take the community to change. Law enforcement, um, you need to realize that law enforcement is a partnership with the community. Mm-hmm. They're not at odds with the community. They're in partnership. The community sets what is the established norm of behavior that is acceptable in a community. So when law enforcement goes out to act or to enforce, they respond to what has uh, legislatively uh, been passed by either local ordinance or by your, you know, your state government. And, um, and of course, the feds have a lot to do with it on a grander scale. But, um, you know, we need to see uh, more demand for accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, but not necessarily the accountability failure of law enforcement. It's not the frontline law enforcement officer um, that is that is failing horribly. Mm-hmm. It's the pro- it's the prosec- prosecution and and the judges that are mm-hmm. not handing down the sentences or or holding people that are violent offenders in jail. And uh, so where we talk about criminal justice reform, I agree with that, but. Um, you know, nationwide, they look at criminal justice reform, people are under the impression that we need to reform the frontline police officers. That's not where the problem's at. Right. And uh, that when, when we get to that level where the communities throughout our throughout our nation starts holding our district attorneys and judges accountable, um, will will become a lot safer country. I'm very, very fearful for what's happening in our country. We're, we're de-escalating to the point where we see so much violence with, uh, you know, violence in urban areas where they're burning down businesses and burning down their own neighborhood grocery stores where their elderly get food or, um, you know, a, a sales, a, a, young, a, a young salesman in L.A., can't be in an on in a in a furniture store by herself because oh, some so crazed maniac comes in and and stabs her to death violently and then just simply walks away. Where it where is the community outrage for something like that? It, it and, yeah, um, so tragic. We we just lot recently lost another border guard down on the southern border. He'll be buried later this afternoon. And we don't see any type of reaction that this this young man, who was a family man, um, that was working diligently, staying on that front line to protect our border, was killed. And we're having two million people, over two million people this, in yeah. 2021, come across the southern border, and we're having officers killed it's bringing all kinds of poison into our families our you know into our communities and our families our children are dying and we're we just completely seem to be ignoring that and just as a systemic failure of uh 
of prioritizing protection of the United States citizens that are here. We have, we are failing in that category. And, and I agree with you. And it's got to be even more frustrating for somebody who actually served in the capacity of protecting the community. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of disturbing trends. Um, I wanna pull it back to kind of the Black River area. And this kind of does tie into it because I know when I was there for the time that I was there and especially over the last couple of years and having gone to restaurant, you know, I would talk to customers in the restaurant I had, a large percentage of our customers were tourists. But uh, I remember uh, out on our patio, uh, it was probably the summer of 2020, we were open because we had our patio. So people were still coming out, even though, the, you know, what was going on with COVID. And you had the rioting up north uh, in the cities. And um, I remember talking to customers uh, that had come down and, you know, you just say, oh, where are you from? That kind of thing. Like, oh, we're from St. Paul. We just bought a place out here. I'm like, oh, a second home. Like, no, we're moving or we moved. I'm like, really? And they had a business up there that was burned twice and they threw in the towel. And it was interesting because there was a younger couple from Chicago that was sitting there, overheard our conversation. They had just moved to the Sparta area from Chicago um, out of, you know, because I guess the America, uh, Miracle Mile downtown Michigan Avenue, there was broad daylight looting. They had lived off of Ohio Street there and they just didn't feel safe anymore. So there is this migration that started probably, I think, partly the unrest and part of it is, you know, with the pandemic and all that people wanting you know, more liberties coming out to these smaller towns, a little more space. So I do think there, there's absolutely a trend of migration into the rural areas, which is kind of driven up the values of housing and all that kind of stuff. But so, um, so you retired from law enforcement in 2017, uh, and you transitioned into, um, I guess the question is, when did you start getting involved with the economic development in the city of Black River Falls. I, I don't remember that that timeline. Well, if you don't mind, Dan, I'll, ba I'll back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I graduated from high school in 1986. And um, I grew up in a, a, a basically a political family. My father was very active with, uh, with Jackson County politics and, and everything. And I was uh, recruited to run for school board of the Black River Falls School District. And uh, in 1988, two years after I graduated high school, I was the youngest elected uh, school board official in the Black in the history of the Black River Falls. Wow, school District. I did not so know that. Wow. My my political roots, as far as uh, wanting to be engaged and part of my community runs runs deep it, it runs all the way back to my childhood as uh you know as as far back as i can remember about wanting to be helpful to my community um so throughout the years i've been involved in in various organizations whether that be um we have a um domestic violence um 
outreach program here, Jackson County Outreach, which is the uh, Bolton Refuge Program. And I was a huge advocate for getting some shelters built here for victims of domestic violence and uh, helping them navigate red tape and, and working for the safety of families and children, you know, basically for my entire career. Uh, after I um, uh, left law enforcement and uh, retired, I needed to take a little time to myself to uh, to recoup from uh, from some pretty serious cardiac issues, and um, it gave me a lot of time to evaluate what I wanted to do in life. I was not I'm not the type of person that can just um, you know uh, as much as I enjoy sitting on my front porch with my dog and looking looking you know down through the valley from my beautiful location up that I live at. Um, I needed to be part of my community. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I joined the Black River Falls Downtown Association and um, was just a member for a while, you know, just kind of get my feet under me. This is something completely different than law enforcement. And um, eventually, uh, I, I became president of the organization and could clearly see that some reforms needed to happen within the organization to make it more successful, more meaningful for developing economic strength and, uh, and basically marketing, simple marketing, you know, for, for the community. So I did a lot of online research and networked with a lot of people. Networking for me is a natural thing uh, mm -hmm. because I've always networked with people. Um, I do not have a fear of public speaking, so that's a big advantage. And um, working with people, just trying to get involved and make my hometown of Black River Falls, Wisconsin, make it the shiniest little dot on the map that I'm able to do. And um, working with the business owners um, in the downtown area and just looking at simple things. Mm -hmm. What can we do differently with simple things to uh, establish economic growth? And it, and it just kind of took off from there. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that really attracted me to you as a, as a human and as a person um, is actually the actual love for your community and, and the commitment to your community, uh, because you do have a skill set um, and a network where you could do other things if you wanted to, um, yet you stay true. And we've talked about this several times to wanting the area to be uh, kind of experience as much potential as that it has to offer in helping people understand and develop that. Um, so I know in the small towns, um, whether we're talking about downtowns or in general, um, in, in given the population, I, I went back and looked, I think the census in 2010, there was about 3,463 people. Uh, and then there was some growth and then there was some shrinkage. So the town itself hasn't really grown as far as the number of people living there. But as far as tourism goes and people visiting, um, in fact, you know, there's a, a lot of opportunity there. Um, so uh, when, when I think of small towns and some of the challenges, I don't know if you've ever heard of Naperville, Illinois or St. Charles, Illinois, um, but those towns at one point were dying. Their downtowns were dying. There wasn't a lot going on. And, uh, you know, people were shifting and moving away from the downtown. 
in uh, Naperville, there was a case study that was done. They went from a dying town downtown to this vibrant downtown, just attracting business, you know, capital investment and people coming out. They've got a river similar uh, to uh, Black River Falls. And I've seen that town in general go from a town that was once dying to at one point the fastest growing town in the state of Illinois. Um, and so downtowns are very attractive to people. And so I guess my question to you is, um, what do you see as some of the challenges of not only, you know, maintaining a downtown kind of stability, but growing it, attracting new people, kind of sharing the message of, you know, why come here? What are some of the challenges that, um, th that you see? And um, how are you addressing those um, and um, to kind of live out that vision that, that you're, you've thought through? We run into a lot of challenges with our, with our workforce, but that's not unique to our area. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody across the U.S. is having problems with finding employees and quality employees and uh, employee you know, turnover rates for a whole host of reasons. So that in itself is probably our biggest challenge um, in the community is just employees. And um, I think that, you know, some of the things that are being addressed in that is um, Jackson County has really uh, um, taken a real close look at that. And we have this child care initiative project that's going on in Jackson County right now because we're short on childcare. So we're having problems recruiting or getting young professionals to come to our area because we, do, we don't have enough daycare. And hmm. uh, we're, working, we're working as a coalition group. Um, we just had a meeting yesterday and uh, we're really you know, investing in that immediacy as far as um, you know, providing some bonuses to those uh, daycare centers and those daycare employees that have have held have towed the line and stayed in the industry and stuff and providing some incentives for them to stay in that industry. Mm -hmm. We're looking long term in partnerships with the school districts uh, in our area as far as building in programs to um, teach young people to um, get their certificates to be working a daycare center and qualification by waiving tuition costs or covering their tuition costs to get that so there are both long-term and short-term solutions as far as as far as workforce the other challenge that we've had in our community like any other small town america is um its overall appearance and because tax dollars are so hard to come by um you know you end up prioritizing things and then mm -hmm. prioritizing things become the norm as far as simple things like inviting someone to your community. It sounds too simple, but it really is. And mm -hmm. what type of exposure do you take as a community to reach out and extend an invitation? You know, it's no different than being invited to someone's, you know, wedding or, or something like that. You're not going to go if you don't know about it and you've not been invited. Mm -hmm. So I've used that concept and, uh, to create things. So now that I've extended invitations to, you know, throughout the entire Midwest and, and beyond to 
um, profile certain businesses in our community that to what we have to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we're going to invite these community to small town America, Black River Falls. Well, once they get there, what impression are we giving them? Mm-hmm. So then it becomes a, an, an issue of of years of neglected maintenance issues. And I always use this uh, analogy when I go out to do public speaking with our, with our local clubs or organizations and things in the area. Um, a contagion is not always a bad thing. So, you know, we all have experienced this issue with COVID and, mm-hmm. and bad and, and making, you know, losing loved ones and everything. But you know, the, the word contagion is, it, it can be a positive. So I use the, uh, I call it my fire hydrant speech, is when someone would drive into town and, you know, you look at a fire hydrant and it's all rusty, you know, it's still functional and everything, but the paint's kind of peeled off from it. Wisconsin, you know, has some pretty harsh winters, so we use a lot of salt. Mm-hmm. And and things get rusty here, so we started as a as a group by just repainting some fire hydrants. But we really profiled on the step process for fire hydrants and how we did that. And then pretty soon we had all of the fire hydrants repainted in the um, in the business district of downtown Black River Falls. Well, that created a little stir in the community about you know what's going on with the fire hydrants and the stuff. So we evolved that program. Um, into uh, building facade improvements Mm -hmm. and signage improvements. Mm -hmm. So we developed a program within our organization to allow for grants for businesses to apply for um, signage and facade improvements. Now we're a historic preservation district. Uh, Our commercial district downtown is on the state and national registry of historic places. So we always kind of steer the business owners or building owners to keep historic colors in mind or tuck pointing and restoration or even simple things like the font that they use for their signs to give it that historical feel. Well, Mm -hmm. we pushed that program really hard. It was kind of an inactive program before. So I went and knocked on a lot of doors and uh, we started to transform the face of those buildings. And then we continued with our maintenance program with uh, trees on Main Street and uh, benches. I remember, I remember you, Dan, helping us load up all the benches on Main Street in the middle of COVID because, you know, that was the time. We loaded mm-hmm, them all up. Mm-hmm. We took them all apart. We had them sandblasted down, repainted to make them look beautiful, and then we put them back out. And as a community, they all people started to come together. And that community pride started to happen again. We always knew that it was there. And I think that that it's there in most communities. It just needs to be reignited and fed and, get, and make people feel proud of their hometown. Mm-hmm. And that was the goal of, for me personally, is to try and, and reignite that flame of community pride. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're being quite successful. Uh, you know, I'm proud to say that probably by mid uh uh, mid 2022, we will have 93% of our buildings full with new, new or expanding businesses in downtown Black River Falls, which is huge because there are huge. other communities that are 
that are at 40 or 50 percent you mm -hmm. know occupancy we're going to be right around that 90 93 percent category somewhere in there and we're working on the working diligently on those remaining buildings on getting some movement going there and um focusing on making um downtown black river falls a better experience for all of these invited yeah. guests well i could tell you you know having owned a business down there um or uh, up there i should say um just from the time that i had my business uh and we were transforming you know uh into more of a uh, uh i'll say a less price sensitive restaurant and having more people travel from further distances to you know to seek us out i mean the transformation that started in the city driven in my opinion by the dta um and i know there's a lot of partners businesses people that are behind that and uh over the next several years um it, it brought momentum um in energy and you see to your point i didn't realize the uh it has such a high percentage of occupancy now but i could you could definitely see the trend with the new business owners and existing people buying into more businesses or housing things of that nature so and i think momentum's really important and in transformation that's what i did for a living for 20 something years in finance you have to have leadership and i i um you know again i had a place up there prior to moving full time although i wasn't involved on the business side of that period i certainly saw the culture of you know downtown that kind of thing so i do think the leadership and and people getting involved um it makes a huge difference and you have that kind of momentum one of the things that i would hear from my customers too uh about the downtown and i, I think this is probably a challenge a common challenge for smaller towns is the lack of housing, especially for young people that want to come back to town or, you know, or people retiring, uh, they want to live closer to downtown. Um, and yet there isn't always housing uh, or the housing uh, doesn't meet their needs. And not everybody wants a farmhouse, you know, and land. They like the conveniences um, and access that when you are revitalizing or growing a, a downtown, over time you're adding these amenities. Um, how, what What are your thoughts? What's being done around housing um, in town, and what kind of influence can can that your organization have um, in in addressing that? Well, I can say that um, we have some very determined um, uh, realtors and um, people that see our potential here in in uh, Black River Falls. And um, one of the things that we were fortunate to have is we have an investment company, development company out of Minnesota that is putting a new uh, uh, housing complex in uh, Black River Falls. So they're adding 89 units um, just just north of the city. I mean, well within the city limits, but just north of the city, that's going to make a big difference as far as starting to address our housing shortage. Um, there are some developments that had been started, but no houses in them. And uh, that same company uh, built five brand new houses that will soon be on the market for sale. Um, there is some moving on some property 
uh, right in the heart of downtown where there's potential development that's going to occur um, not too far from your old business, Dan. So I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. So the more that I can do to make, um, to strengthen the economic viability of downtown, I can make it shiny. It's up to the business owners to do their thing once the customers are walked in the door, but I can work diligently to extend those invitations throughout the entire Midwest and beyond um, through our marketing arm uh, with the DTA. We can put videos together um, that extend those invitations. Um, and we will do that again this year. We'll add another 12 videos for uh, down, welcoming people to downtown Black River Falls. And the more excitement that we create, the more investors will want to take a look or take a second look at Black River Falls. And um, I think that we're gonna be successful. I'm very optimistic about our downtown area and our community as far as uh, is our economic growth and stability. I think that we have a lot of wonderful things to offer in our area. We have uh, you know, a great, uh, it's called the Lunda Community Center, which is uh, like a YMCA kinda on our level. Uh, we have great recreational opportunities, um, whether you like to ride ATVs or you like to hike or bike, or if you like to swim, boat, kayak, we have all of these opportunities just outside the, the uh, city limits of Black River Falls. We have the, one of the deepest man-made lakes in the state of Wisconsin. It's over 335 feet deep and it draws in a lot of divers. So those people that love to come in and go diving, our, our, uh, our Jackson County uh, Parks uh, Recreation and Parks Department are, are, you know, they're a wonderful group of people who really, really done a good job with our parks. So like when the pandemic hit, um, a, a statistical thing uh, to emphasize our recreation is when the pandemic hit and everybody was, you know, in lockdown, our park system were took off. They took off like like they were on fire, and they uh, they the parks money took. They took more money in prior to Memorial Day than they did the entire year prior to it. Wow! Just for people coming to Black River Falls, and you know that in turn, you know, helps our restaurants. It helps our. Right. It helps our, our, our taverns, our grocery stores, you know, uh, and then those people look around saying, you know, a lot of this stuff where we're working from home, you know, do we have the internet capacity here in Black River Falls that we could work for a larger company out of wherever in the United States? And we're working from home now. Why not work in beautiful Jackson County? Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of that happened. Uh, you know, there was a lot of home sales that took off with uh, people working from home and developing business of homes and just a, a different mindset on that, that, you know, strong need for brick and mortar everywhere. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, I noticed um, that you bring to uh, the table and is really important in leadership and getting things done, you know, getting people to get out of the, the their little safe space, if you will, and take a bit of risk um, to change anything is um, to network, to have coalitions, to take the time to sit down with people and get to know them one-on-one, -on -one, going to the Rotary Club meetings, whatever it is, 
to kind of tell the story, to get more people on your team or on the team, if you will, because there's common goals, but it takes, it takes somebody to stick their neck out there. And having been in business, you constantly have to do that, you know, to keep growing and whatever. Sometimes you achieve something, sometimes you get redirected, whatever. But I, I see that's a great skill set that you have. I mean, how important are coalitions in um, kind of transforming the downtown growing economically, whether it's working with the city council and, you know, there's a framework around that, that you have to go through process. You just can't flip a switch or even with the state government. Um, how important is that? And um, is that something that you see uh, going forward it is going to become even more important? I think it is extremely vital mm -hmm. to um, bring groups of together, not necessarily groups. Let me say this. It would be leadership within those groups. Um, you know, every, you know, we all have common experiences where, you know, there are people that, um, truly want to make things better and they don't want to have 25 meetings discussing it. We just want to get it done. And I think the stronger we build that leadership community and develop those leaders in, in our community, the better off we're all going to be, whether that be an individual business owner or whether that be on a, a retired guy like me. And when you, when you go into something is, you know, a lot of us are where you get the first knee jerk reaction is no, you know, I've got this idea, you know, maybe we should try this. No, my, my concept comes from a little bit different point of view that I've learned at it is why not? You know, if you think that this is a good idea and this is going to benefit the community, and we have a good game plan on how to get there. Why not do that? Mm -hmm. Why why worry about all these little these little turf wars that you know because you're not part of this organization or not part of that organization or you think to the left or you think to the right that we can't work together. Right. My concept has been to try and pull business owners and community leadership together and get them excited again. Get them excited within their own organization mm -hmm. to to make that contagion spread. You know, this is our community. This is our hometown. Hometown proud, baby. You know, charge up yeah. the crowd. Show some energy. When I when I do my when I do my radio ads for uh, the local radio station and everything, where a lot of a lot of locals listen to that radio station. And I do little quirky things in my radio ads and stuff, but each ad is loaded with energy and always puts a little twerk, a little tweak into it or something that I'll put mm -hmm. in there that make people that make people laugh or make them smile. So that when I'm walking around downtown or in the grocery store, Hey, Tom, you know, we heard you on the radio and, um, Really, you know, uh, your late, your last commercial, come on down, you know, I'm using the, <laughs> using the theme from Bob Barker from the Price is Right. If you've not been in downtown Black River Falls, come on down and see what we have to offer. 
people remember that key phrase. And whereas they come and give me a hard time about it and everything, it tells me that they're listening to the ad. Exactly. And it gets them to come down. Theming things. We recently had an event in December where we did a soup competition. And I did the, the uh, when I did the radio ad for our, our soup competition, which sounds simple, but one of the things that I used in there is I used from a Seinfeld episode, the one thing that you will not hear from us is no soup for you. <laughs> and put that into the radio out of the Seinfeld ad. And people respond to that in such a positive way that there's so much excitement about what's happening. Well, geez, you know, maybe we should take a run into town and and uh, go over to Rosario's and have pizza. Or, you know, we're going in early. You know, let's stop at, you know, Revolutions and have coffee or something. But that uh -huh. excitement and invitation has to be there. Yeah. So that, you know, in the, you know, the marketing world, and granted, I come from a law enforcement world. I don't come from a marketing world or economic development. So I'm learning as I go. And, you know, you learn about calls for action and, mm -hmm. and all of those things. But I try to keep that in mind and do it in a unique way to create positive excitement for my hometown in within those coalitions. When I bring those groups of people together, either one on one, which is most successful, or I bring them into small groups and we have those discussions. How can we how can we make this more exciting for people? Where do we give people a better experience? And, and show them. We're proud of our hometown. We're going to invite all these guests to our community and we're going to show them what. We can't show them a dead tree in a in a broken bench on, mm -hmm. on Main Street. Mm -hmm. That can't happen. But mm -hmm. our, our organizations can work together to correct all of those things. And out of that, my belief is, is that we will build tremendous economic strength out of that mm -hmm. because of the excitement of coming to the community. You know, obviously, I'm passionate about Black River Falls. My family has been passionate about Black River Falls and dedicated to the greater Black River Falls area for multiple generations. And uh, I don't see that slowing down. Yeah, and, and that, that's probably a good segue to... A little birdie told me that you might be uh, also expanding your uh, bandwidth uh, and wanting to uh, contribute at the county level and potentially seek out a county board uh, seat. Is that true? That is an accurate statement. I it have, is. Uh, Tell me about it. Well, I've, I've declared my uh, candidacy for um, a Jackson County Board of Supervisors seat. Um, and believe that I can take the, the concepts that I've applied to make the downtown association successful. I believe that I can continue to do that and take that to the next level for our entire county mm -hmm. as far as uh, economic strength. You know, do I, I, you know, I, I'm not delusional enough to think that Blacker or Jackson County is ever going to be a major metropolitan area, nor would I not, I don't want to see that. But what I do want to see is I want to see economic strength mm -hmm. in our county, in sustainable businesses, outside of the box businesses, in thought process to make our community stronger and capitalize on all of the wonderful resources and beauty of Jackson County. Mm -hmm. We have, And I think that I can, I can take some of the concepts that I've learned over the last couple of years that um, working with the downtown association and the networking that I've created. And I think that I can do more and well, help 
all businesses and throughout the county and uh, yeah. you know our smaller villages you know we have several villages in our in our county that have populations ranging from 400 to 600 people mm-hmm. you know and and they each have their own characteristics and something to offer Mm-hmm. So if we work on that as a group and expand those coalitions, I just think that Jackson County can be even more successful. Well, it, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think, again, there's a trend of migration um, to more rural areas for quality of life. Um, but there's got to be jobs, too, for people. I mean, it's true that we are shifting. The workforce is shifting to more remote work from home. Uh, you know, a lot of companies allow for that. It's a little bit tougher in say the agriculture world, things of that nature. But, um, but I do think at the county level um, and it's, and I didn't spend much time, you know, paying attention uh, to be honest with you. So I'm saying this out of somewhat out of ignorance but kind of as a business guy and a former banker you need to have economic diversity and um, multiple industries. Um, I don't know what your take is, where Jackson County sits as far as attracting business, that we have enough economic diversity as people want to move to a small town, that there's going to be the jobs uh, available for them uh, because they might be moving from an urban area where there might be, quote unquote, more white collar type, you know, jobs. What's your take? Um, I think that we're in an excellent position to do some uh, expansion, uh, light industry expansion, and um, uh, exactly what you described. I mean, we have uh, the interstate system runs diagonally right through Jackson County. Mm-hmm. We have an we have a great rail system in Jackson County for moving products through in and out of Jackson County. We have all kinds of uh, potential for um, you know, tech businesses to expand in our area. And, um, you know, with having those when you're done working for the day, to have those recreational experiences in a rural setting and uh, quality school system and, uh, and working towards that direction, I think that we have extra excellent potential for expansion. It's just once again, let's, ex- let's extend those invitations. And let's expand that base. There are obviously you you look at the uh, you look at some of our both East Coast and West Coast states where where larger businesses are just leaving in droves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot of them have come down by you. A lot of them in Florida. Oh, yeah. A lot of them. A lot of them went to Texas. You know, there's no reason that we can't be inviting some people into you know Midwest Wisconsin and and uh, we have a lot to offer too. Yeah, and and I think it's to what you said earlier about the city is making people aware. I mean, how I found out about Black River Falls was um, back in 2000, late 2006, my ex-wife and I, well, I married at the time, we were looking to, again, second home, uh, give our kids the experience of kind of uh, land, trees, get them connected with nature. And I happened to be speaking with somebody uh, uh, at work and uh one of my colleagues jumped in and said oh hey you know because out of the chicagoland area you either go to lake geneva or galena those are kind of the two back then where you have a second home and neither one of those areas were certainly rural enough for us but 
Um, but uh, 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 one of my colleagues said, hey, you know, have you ever heard of Black River Falls? And I'm like, no, where the heck is that? You know, because my wife and I, we kind of put a, a, a pen and drew a circle around three hours from Chicago, you know, because you could do that over the weekend comfortably. It's not a big deal, you know. And um, and so anyway, his name was James. He started telling me about the city. I'm thinking this is, sounds too good to be true because it's the southern most part of the North Woods, meaning you have that beautiful wildlife, black bear, there's elk, there's wolves, there's, you know, the American Eagle strong. I mean, like all that nature, you don't have to drive eight hours to the UP, you know, <laughs> coming from Chicago or the suburbs of Chicago. Right. Um, and it's an easy drive. It's just literally straight up. And most of us were familiar with the Dells. So when he said, oh, it's only 45 minutes or so north of the Dells, I'm like, this is great. So when we came up and looked, I mean, we, we, it was charming just driving down main street, going up the hill and seeing the church, St. Joseph's up top and you got the beautiful river. So it's charming. We just didn't know about it. Now we happen to find out about it, you know, from um, one of my colleagues. So one of the things I think would, would, would be beneficial at, at the county level, city level, whatever. And, and this is an area I'm not real familiar with is how do you educate people within that three hour window, if you will, about, Hey, come to us. Um, we're here. Here's what we offer. Has there been any thought? Now, I know you're not involved at the county on the board yet, but, you know, kind of expanding the reach, not just like bring businesses here, but even for tourism, which is huge, it could be both. Um, any thoughts around that, that three hour window, if you will? Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing, you know, um, you know, Dan, you were you sat on the Downtown Association Board of Directors with me. And mm -hmm. when we first started um, talking about the concept of our teaser ads or our Welcome to Black River Falls ads, we can expand that reach mm -hmm. to include that to to include other areas in the county. And then through digital marketing and social media and uh you know, some other print media and stuff that we can use. We need to extend those invitations out there and target that group. I mean, Jackson County is very, very well known for its UTV, ATV mm -hmm. uh, recreational trails. Most people in the tri-state area are well aware of all of the miles of trails and, uh, you know, places that we have. We have intense use areas. We have just your mild, you know, putts around and look at nature. If you mm -hmm. want to if you want to come up here and get muddy and get your, you know, your ATV stuck in the mud, we've got a place for you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's being promoted pretty well. So we're okay. pretty, pretty exposed in that market, but now it's time to make everybody aware of the rest of the story as Paul Harvey used to say it. And um, I think that we can do that with uh, a good, solid economic development and marketing plan. We have to sell ourselves mm -hmm, to get mm -hmm. people to come to the area mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and not to, not to sound, you know, be hit the arrogant button or anything, but we got to toot our own horn because no one else is going to. Of course. Of course. I'll I tell you what, Tom, I really appreciate your time and you, you've your diverse background, meaning uh, from farming to uh, that grocery store experience to law enforcement across that uh, broad broad area, getting involved in your community. Um, I, literally, 
you know, uh, everything from spraying the weeds, right? Yeah. To the big promotions. Yeah. I mean, your ego is set aside. It's really based on a true love for the area. And then getting on, I hope you get on the county board because I, I think just your background in general. And um, I'll be honest with you, when I first came up there, you know, I, when I was considering buying a business, I'm like, yeah, this isn't a very progressive area in talking to other business owners, kind of like, yeah, nobody wants to change nobody. And, you know, I ended up pulling the trigger anyway. And then when I got involved and then you were involved and other people that just shifted and, and it created momentum and that it's just continued. And to, hopefully to bring that, cause it only takes that, like you said, the fire plug, right? Somebody to do it in that one little change. And I'm not criticizing the County board. I know, you know, but having somebody with your experience and kind of momentum, I think that would be huge. Uh, I wish you well, I guess, um, given all of that, if there's people out there that um, you want to be a part of their community, I mean, what, what, what's the advice or encouragement that you would give them if they want to see change in their community? It's very easy to bitch at other people. <laughs> um, it's a lot harder to do something about it. I mean, what, what is your recommendation for people? How do you go about making change? I, I would indeed encourage everyone that, that cares about their community to not be that person that sits back and says, this is never going to change, or I don't like the way that this is going, or, you know, this looks like crap. Someone should do something about it. The mm -hmm. phrase that one person can make a difference is so true. You know, you're going to have your ups and downs um, like you do in life in general anyway. You're not going to, you know, your all of your ideas are not going to be the best ideas. Some of them need to be, you know, thought through, but you need to, you need to get off your butt and you need to engage and, you know, find out what community organizations are that you have in your community. And if there aren't, start one and work off from building partnerships with uh with organizations um people of action um because we all know that we have all of these monday morning quarterbacks that like to sit back and and say well i'd have done it this way or i'd have mm -hmm. done it that way but the the, the difference is is that they never did anything mm -hmm. whereas if you are an individual that truly cares about your community you need to stand up stand up and be heard make a difference if no one's painting that fire hydrant that aggravates you so much contact your 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 utility provider and ask them is it okay if i go repaint that fire hydrant you know clean it up go down on a saturday morning and mm -hmm. spend an hour cleaning that fire hydrant up and repainting that fire hydrant and i can assure you starting with one fire hydrant you can make a difference in your community, but it takes getting off your butt and not whining and bitching about everything that's wrong about your community and standing up and making a change. Mm -hmm. And each, if each and every one of us just did a little bit, you can transform not only the community, but you can transform in a, the entire state. You can transform our country. That's right. Oh, that's so inspiring, Tom. Thank you. I'll tell you, you're a gem to the area. Um, 
I, I, I hope you're able to, obviously you affect at the county level just by being a participant in the community, but to actually sit on the board on the inside and how the money spent all that, that would be uh, really beneficial to the community. There is one other area I just wanted to explore before we wrap up, because um, we kind of talked at the city, the county level, um, how does the state play into this? Um, because I, you know, there's, I know the Wisconsin Economic Development uh, Board or Committee, H how does the state play in all this? What role can your state government uh, play? Well, uh, the downtown, the Black River Falls Downtown Association is part of a group or coalition, again, uh, um, called Connecting Communities, or uh, another federal phrase for it is the Main Street Program. And the Wisconsin Economic Development uh, Corporation of Wisconsin is the host or the contact point for the, uh, the economic development connections. And I've built a good relationship with the director and uh, some of the uh, digital marketing folks, uh, some of the revitalization folks and everything. And it's about connecting the dots and looking, seeking out grant opportunities for, for special projects or, um, you know, a special event or something out there where the, your state government has allocated funds to do that through your Department of Tour Tourism, Department of uh, Administration with your governor's office, you know, and that that bounces around a little bit. But once you've made those connections as a as a small community um, leader, and you can help connect those dots for either an individual business or uh, a community event or anything, the state government is is there. You just have to know which uh, which doorbell to push or which email to send. Um, always uh, be open, as open-minded as you can, mm -hmm. and, and really, really think out the box because everyone else in the state wants the same thing, you know. So there's a lot of you know competition involved as far as getting getting places, and you know my group is uh, you know is is nine members. We're all volunteers. And other communities have a, you know, a full-time Main Street manager or full-time, uh, you know, uh, downtown manager or something like that. And that's what they do for a profession and a living. And you're competing at that level, mm -hmm. you know, with the state. But I've had some really, really good uh, success in um, having conversations with the Wisconsin Economic Development Council and utilizing their training resources, uh, utilizing their grant assistance programs and stuff like that to help out, help out downtown Black River Falls and beyond. As you know, I, as I'm searching through the state, the state grants and stuff, if I see something that's out there that is available that would be beneficial to someone outside of the direct downtown, I still connect those dots, whether it's in Black River Falls or whether it's in the village of Melrose or in the village of Maryland, I still push those dot connections because it would work for them where it's not, where it, it's not working for us, mm -hmm. you know, or mm -hmm. not viable for us, but would be for them. So, you know, by, by utilizing those state resources and reaching out beyond just my little box, downtown Black River Falls, you know, you make everyone stronger. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the local volunteer all the way to the governor's office is all about partnerships and connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. And it, and it really, it really has been successful. Um, we really have transformed um, the downtown association from 
um, where I started and not being critical of prior boards. You know, they did the best they could with what they had. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, did, I just have a different mindset on how to do things. And um, so far, we're pretty successful with it. And I'm pretty happy with it. So we've done well. That's great. Well, listen, Tom, thanks so much for your time. If there's somebody listening to this and they want to get involved in their community um, and whether it's, you know, to get on an economic development board or the school board or whatever, and they just want to pick your brain, uh, A, would you be open to that? And then B, if you are, what's the best way that they could get a hold of you or the downtown association uh, via that route? Um, the best way to get a hold of me is to go through uh, our webpage at downtownblackriverfalls.com. And uh, there's a tab on there to connect or to contact us and that will notify me and uh, just give me, your, you know, f- uh, fill out your contact information and a rough idea of what your question is. And uh, I will get back to you and, uh, and um, you know, and, and, and give you what little advice that I have. I can tell you what's working for us. It mm-hmm. may not work for every community, but again, if you want to get a hold of me, it's downtownblackriverfalls.com. With that, Tom, thank you so much for your time. I wish you the best of luck as you run for that board seat. I'll be paying attention and staying in touch. You enjoy the rest of this wonderful day. Absolutely, Dan. It was great to have this time with you, and I very much appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye.